This episode is presented by Irving Bottle and the Brooklyn Kitchen. This week, it's the season finale of Meet and Three. We're following up our episode about youth with a look at age and how aging affects life on farms and in kitchens. At the the most basic level, we need people to grow food for a growing global population. The question of planning for retirement or old age as a cook, it's almost one that doesn't exist bizarrely until it's too late. We also have a story about a food that might be older than you think. A recent archaeological finding might have CrossFitters everywhere reevaluating their diets. Plus, a story about one of Atlanta's most historic and risque landmarks. There are dancers that have been there 20 and 30 years. Don't miss our season finale of Meat and Three, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to another edition of the main course, OG. Uh, that was Rocket 88, the first rock and roll song ever recorded. We were actually just in Sun Studios in Memphis, Tennessee, where we got to hear that song played not live, but closer to where it was originally. recording. I actually took a, a video, and I forgot I wanted to ask if I could play that version on air. It's exactly the same, but it was exciting to hear them talk about it. I think it's it. public access at that point. Yeah, it's the first rock and roll song. I, I like that you thought you saw it live. I know. <laughs> as a, there, were, there was a little cutout cardboard poster of... Uh, Almost as old as the strippers in the promo before <laughs> the show. How old? 40-year-olds been in the business for 40 years i mean i hope they started very young that's yeah. my only thing is <laughs> yeah, yeah 18 <laughs> so um anyway that and by the way that sun studio song was the first sound ever to air out of these two now historic shipping containers no one thought it would amount to anything this station but no one thought that radio but has it really not really <laughs> but has rock and roll taken off too so anyway uh we are in studio today with libby Greeley. Hi. Emily Pearson. Morning. Brandon Hoy. Mm-hmm. And Jonah Miller. Good morning. The owner of, uh, well, I'll let uh, Libby pronounce it, the <laughs> owner of Huertas and the author of a great new book. He's a great friend of the station. So um, it's an exciting week. We're going to go rapid fire. I'll throw it to Libby to tell us what's going on. Yep, we were off on a farm tour last week, but we were happy to be back in studio and on air, although you were not as cute as the pigs we saw Week running around, and we have a great show for you from Dairy Queen. To Way to CV. warm up the guests. You say <laughs> you're uglier than a pig. <laughs> the little baby pig. Old people. Um, I hope they're heritage pigs. Yes. Of course. Oh, of course. Um, and especially, we're touching upon my favorite horoscopes. And then later in the show, we'll talk to Jonah Miller, as Patrick said. From which so, restaurant? Patrick Stop. Where? Tuss. Hurt us. We'll jump right in uh, to the thing. weekly base. So. DQ will help make miracles for hospitalized children during DQ's 13th annual Miracle Treat Day. When $1 or more from every blizzard treat sold at participating locations will be donated to local Children's Miracle Network hospitals, which I love ice cream. I know you do too, Emily. Um, CMN hospitals raise funds to help save and improve the lives of kids treated at 170 children's hospitals across the U.S. and Canada. So not everything about fast food is bad. What is your favorite fast food and why? Well, it's an interesting topic for us. Ironically, many of those kids might be in the hospital because they ate fast food, but no, that's not uh, that's not serious. But um, Wendy's, Wendy's is the best. Everybody says McDonald's French fries and In and Out burgers. Those are always the top two where everyone's just like, I'm going to say it, and that's what I believe in. It's like if you want fast food, aren't you like going for the nastiest? I, I'm I, I like Jack in the Box. I feel like. Ooh. That's like a. That that's like a only. For like taste. really, you're only going at like three in the morning. You, yeah. You're not like making the decision in the middle of the day. I'm going to Jack and Box. Make <laughs> a decision like at, it's, it's like White Castle. You've only made this decision after six, seven drinks. Mm -hmm. I think the right level of nasty is Popeyes. Oh really? Fair enough. Ahoy! Uh, there was a Popeyes by my high school, and uh, during lunch break we had many different lunch breaks. Big school, so sometimes you have lunch at like nine forty-five in the morning. <laughs> We'd so like be at Popeyes when they open. Oh my god! First chicken of the day, excellent. What 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 chicken? That's it. Chicken sandwich. 
not a sandwich, uh, like a three-piece dark uh, and the biscuits, of course. I'm going to go with Gray's, Gray's Papaya Hot Dogs. I mean, it's not traditional fast food, but it's definitely a chain. Their hot dog shot up from 75 cents a piece to like 250 but they're still delicious. I'm definitely a fast food snob. Like, I'll only really do fast food if it's a an experience like we were just on the road at doing this farm tour and we stopped in uh, salina kansas for uh the cozy inn which is basically like the i don't know if it's the precursor or just the local version uh of white castle and i don't eat white castle it doesn't make me feel good i don't want to have it but this because you were there and it was the thing to do you get a sack of six the little sliders they do the onions the pickle the whole deal and like that's worth the experience. Otherwise, slice of pizza. So have you mm. never stayed up till four in the morning? <laughs> sure, but White Castle is not what I want. Always but, but, like, so what do you do? What do you do after, you know, heavy heavy night of drinking and you're you're always, hungry? Always pizza. pizza. And, oh, by pizza the way, we went to the Good Waffle House and that dude working on the same farm tour, that dude working the grill made breakfast i guess for 17 people in 10 minutes he was going and i love it because that's still he was still a chef he wasn't just pushing buttons he was going there and doing it it was super cool the other thing i'll say was funny the previous farm trip we took we went to taco bell and i had all these like you know emotional desires to try these things i had seen on the commercials but i was overwhelmed by their menu i panicked I was like Jam Brady when the television. You went didn't on. miss much. That stuff is disgusting. Is it? I mean, yeah, a Dorito Chalupa. No, come on, man. You're getting excited. It, it, it's, it definitely. It. I can see the appeal when you watch the commercial, but it is it just does not, not translate well. At Grace right. Papaya, have you had the uh, the sausage egg and cheese for breakfast? No, that's no, a sleeper pick. Should, oh, it's, really? There's a warming drawer under the uh, hot dog griddle. I never I get to Manhattan by noon. You know, <laughs> to before noon. I live in Brooklyn. I do everything in Brooklyn. Well, anyway, so yeah, not all fast food is bad. And I will say even McDonald's, which is so food opened against McDonald's, they still do a lot of good work and stuff. It's impossible to hate them. I do go to McDonald's like once every three months just because I'm like genetically engineered to want it. You know? And the number of chefs that are trying to recreate the McDonald's French fry, mm-hmm. you know, but in a maybe healthier version. Or hamburger. Or, they or... make special sauce hamburgers, you know. Interesting. Well, it's August 2nd now, and August is National Delicatessen Month. Deli means so many things. <laughs> Jewish deli, we know that. That's you, Patrick. Corner deli, a deli in Montreal, a deli on Broadway. What does deli mean to you? What, wait, so what's my deli? What? I have to read your aura. Oh, please. <laughs> read my aura now. <laughs> That's anti- the little anti-Semitic. Why? Because I'm Jewish. I only frequent Jewish delis. You love Jewish delis. All right. What's I mean, it is mean? really true. You do love, <laughs> you Jewish, love Jewish delis. Jewish it's delis. like do, don't don't be a denier. I know. I don't want to speak for you, Patrick, but as another as a fellow non-observant Jew who grew up in New York, <laughs> uh, Jewish deli Jewish cuisine is the main way I identify with uh, with the religion. Yes, um, exactly. And New York's the best place to have it. It is. And, I, you know, corned beef and pastrami are basically, like everything else in the world, commodity. But there's something value-added about it, like Second Avenue Deli's taste. There's a little bit of something different. You know, corned beef and pastrami, Rubens, those are super cool. But Deli can also be the place around the corner, the Natch. I was going to say, I think... I too, Jewish New Yorker, but I, and I do love corned beef pastrami, the whole thing, but these days, I think for me, deli is more like consistency, and that means consistently bad, consistently good, it's more like the bodega on the corner where you're going to get your okay coffee, you're going to get a good lunch sandwich, because it's, but I mean, it's, it's not going to be high quality turkey and cheese. I think deli's um, a cut above bodega. Is it? Yes. My, yes, my I agree. Yeah, bodegas. So what's on the corner? Brooklyn Natural. Can it what still is that? be an all boar's head bo- uh, deli? Uh, yeah, if they're sort of like uh, in the East Village where this is, we have Sunnies and Annies, which is like a bodega, but they have a sort of a deli program, if you will, where mm-hmm. they can get uh, exciting sandwiches. Yeah, like, like Farmer, what is that? Farmer and the Deli, right? And no, you on just made a, that up. What the hell no, is that? on, uh, on, de- on Decal. Oh, like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't go that Favorite direction. children's song, The Farmer and the Deli. Farmer and the Deli. You guys know it. <laughs> what Are delis dying out, the traditional Second Avenue stars? I mean, cats, it always seems like they're on the brink of going out of business. Dying out or dead, because how many are left? Yeah, not very many. And who wants to pay 24 bucks for a corned beef sandwich? A commodity corned beef sandwich. They're delicious. Wow, so, so you will spend money for something. Oh! oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Next 
Okay, on that note, we'll move along. Um, so I'm actually excited. I used to live in Chicago, and Chicago sells loop. It's getting a whole lot cheesier when the U.S. Pizza Museum opens its doors at Roosevelt Collection. Starting with a grand opening celebration on Friday, August 10th. I'm sad to be missing this. Uh, the Free Museum offers more than selfie moments, inviting visitors to explore the evolution of pizza culture through vintage artifacts and interactive programming. The Pizza Museum features menus, rare pizza boxes, vinyl records, vintage ads, toys, video games, and more. Um, there's souvenirs, including clothing and original works by independent artists, um, all available for purchase. This is very interesting. How do you feel there, about There's this? nothing more interactive than eating pizza. That's true. It is an experience. You're like, know. just give me the pizza. I don't know. If I went to a pizza museum, all I'd want to do is eat pizza. Very I hope that they have plenty of pizza to eat because yeah. it would drive me nuts to go look at all this stuff and not be able to eat pizza at the same time. And who would they trust to make the pizza at a museum that encompasses all pizza? I mean, you think in Chicago, right, you're going to go after, you know, you're going to go after the big, big names deep of, of deep dish, deep right? Dish. Which would be what your what's your favorite? Um, I'm blanking right Pizzeria now. Pizzeria Uno. <laughs> Everyone pizza. loves Pizzeria Uno. <laughs> Who is it? Yeah, I'm playing around. I used to have friends come and visit, and we would. I'd be like, "We can get deep dish. You need to then nap for three hours. Like we cannot have another activity right after that." Too much oil. So much. Cheese. I'm. 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 Da- I think there should be. I think napping after a meal should just be commonplace. <laughs> yes, in I general. I think. I think you'll enjoy your meal better if if you know immediately following there is a nap. I try to average 14 hours of sleep a day, and sometimes I do need naps to achieve that goal. Occasionally, I walk into the office and Patrick's asleep on his couch. Very occasional. Well, it's a really small couch too. I've seen it too. He's like curled up like a little dog. When, when you have a couch in your office, hurts. it's a good sign, a good indicator that uh, you might like to nap. When Libby said that <laughs> when her friends came to Chicago and she asked they want deep dish, I thought you would say that they said no. Who likes deep dish? Oh well, if you're in Chicago, you have to do it. Yeah. Everyone's like there. For I guess I've done that once, and uh, that's enough. I mean, Chicago is a weird place. This museum to be. That's true. Um, so I, I there's was... another one coming to New York, but it's not the same museum. And this one is not free. The one coming to New York is coming in October. It's like a one-week pop-up. I actually Googled this because I thought it was the same one. And they're charging like $35 or something like that. But well, it's... there must be a pizza pie at the end there of the There is tunnel. going to be food. <laughs> there is food included. Well, in Chicago, they have... I was just in, in Rome, and there's Banchi Pizzeria, which is terrific. Ooh. And they just opened in Chicago, which was a strange but also probably very savvy decision not to enter the New York flooded pizza market and right. said, uh, be the best pizza in Chicago probably by, uh, wait, is there miles? a flooded pizza market in New York? <laughs> news in, to uh, me. Seemingly. Uh, Are we going to break this news here? <laughs> Dave. I will uh, say that Roberta's is in many ways what you just read. It's a big place where you can spend a lot of time. You can go to different rooms. It has a lot of art, t-shirts. Breaking, and stuff. News. Breaking news. Too much pizza, Too much pizza in New York. New York. <laughs> Right Take it away. Time. Do you know what uh, what the best thing about David as engineer is? What? Everything. Timing. Waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, no, but this is a museum of sorts. Have you ever thought of like putting? picture well you do you have all the old pictures this in a way qualifies as a museum in a lot of ways because of all the but, old but photos th- but this is just a museum of us it's not it's there's no like it's like a time capsule for a, the future it's, yeah it's a time capsule of us though there's no there's no documentation of pizza as a, a thing this is a time capsule of like what Roberta is, what the neighborhood, what the people who have come in and out of this place represents. There's to not us. enough pictures of me, by the way. I've noticed. I would. There's like, almost maybe a none. Portrait, a portrait. You, you're not. You don't photograph well. Oh, I know. I know. I'm not. It doesn't, it doesn't really translate. I'm not like. Oh, that's a great photo of Patrick. <laughs> but when I see you in person, I'm like, look at this guy. He's a, he's sexy. He's re- he's the real deal. I know. Clooney-ish. Clooney-ish. Well, there's sex appeal. You can't convey that in the photo. Yep, that's All right. a lot. Next. <laughs> All right. So we got this press release about a new book by nature writer Susan Han Shetterly, Seaweed Chronicles, A World at the Water's Edge, being released by Algonquin Books on August 7th. You may not realize it, but it's almost impossible to go through a day without encountering seaweed, re- whether it's on your favorite sushi roll, hiding in your cosmetics, or incorporated into your vitamin supplement. Or in the feed of your animals. The feed of your pigs, yep. But beyond that, seaweed is utterly essential to our world. It produces much of the oxygen we breathe, forms the basis of all marine life, and serves as a linchpin for coastal communities across the globe. So what is your interaction for seaweed? This is a lot more than I thought. I thought a lot about seaweed after reading this. 
seaweed's everywhere. I mean, do you serve seaweed in the Spanish restaurant, chef? We don't, although actually a purveyor uh, with Spanish products came to us recently with Spanish seaweed. So we've 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 made you know messed around with some Spanish kombu type of thing, but you don't see much seaweed in in non-Japanese Spanish cooking. Okay. I mean, they do have seaweed there, uh, and I guess they cook with it, but no, the, not these, often. This wave sound is legit. Yeah, I'm. I'm like all of a sudden was very calm, also, and I didn't realize what it was from. Uh, it's also amazing that you could say Algonquin with such ease, but you, but you can't say Puertas. <laughs> Puertas. Did I say it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Puertas. We're just gonna rename pa- your restaurant, Jonah, if you don't mind. No. <laughs> but anyway, remember what happened in Japan? There was the uh, nuclear something or other. I mean, uh, that exploded in I think the something north. Something or other. No, there was a nuclear explosion at a plant, Fukushima. a power plant, Fukushima. Doesn't that affect the water supply? Doesn't that affect the seaweed? It's just funny. It's like, shouldn't that be listed as a thing? My friend Mark Ladner actually stopped serving West Coast fish at Del Posto because he thought it was just too dirty and stuff like that. So I just wonder, like, one day, don't you need to label that your cosmetics have seaweed in it, especially if it was sourced, like, at the site of a nuclear this or that? Interesting. Yeah, I, you would assume so, unless it gives you some sort of superhuman powers, which you should probably also then <laughs> unveil It turns that you green. Well. Or, like, super cool. Super cool. <laughs> Maybe I'll photograph better. Are you going to get this book and read it? And tell us about it, Patrick? No, I like it. They say, would you have this person on? I'm like, no, but we will copy-paste a paragraph from your request. No, but we mentioned the book, and you should see it, and seaweed is everywhere. I mean, it's now, to be honest, being fed to our pigs. Mm-hmm. It's 1% of their supply of And what is this company that, that, that you talk about as we? Is, uh, well, I mean, it's, uh, it's pronounced weed. Oh. Weed. Uh, but uh, it's... My father-in-law is involved with some company, and he was like, can we feed seaweed? And apparently it makes the pig shinier, and it helps their digestive system. It lines their gut with in a way that allows them to be healthier, I guess. Everyone's talking about the gut these days. How, that remind, when I was uh, young, we used to go to Maine every summer, and we'd kayak. And I was always a little scared by the, the seals would come too close to the kayak. And then my dad, I don't know where he came across this, but an old Eskimo recipe <laughs> for preparing seaweed. You gut a seal... And then you just eat what they had eaten. Oh, oh really? My gosh. And so, how was it? Uh, wait a <laughs> I was squeamish to like crack the uh, the sea urchins open at that stage. So uh, we weren't we weren't uh, gutting any seals. Speaking of Eskimos, does anyone still live in igloos ever in the whole world? Is there one person I'm still sure. living There's in an igloo? There's probably an igloo with a very expensive bar. You read about that every few years. It's oh, not in Sweden. Not not. <laughs> or like Airbnb. Someone was doing that in their backyard when it snowed a lot in Boston. I remember that, but but legitimately living in. Because I think when we were when I was born in like the seventies, people were still living in igloos. There were still a few people, you know. But anyway, times change. Yeah, maybe for for next week, follow up on that. Um, this Thank is a you. very exciting. It's going to get better. Take that we're, oxygen sound uh, yeah. off the we're, air. We're deviating. Okay, this is Emily. an exciting in segment. honor of Libby's yeah. love for astrology which we heard about on the farm trip. She read every chef their horoscope while in transit in the well, car. Well, chefs are known to be uh, big on their signs. A right. lot of people knew already. Is that uh, true? <laughs> no. Oh, uh. oh, well. Well, anyone that got to be in her car, we were three vans, we caravaned, and she read everyone their sign and really worked through their life pivots and changes and what was coming up with what was, it was it, the, the blood moon. I was the group therapist. Oh, yeah, we had the blood moon while we were on the trip. Yep. Did you also read the pigs their signs? <laughs> She might have. They were she, so liked, cute. she liked those little pigs. Don't let the portas hit you on the ass when you're walking out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, on that note. So I was uh, looking for some, some fun topics for this week, and I came across a Vine Pair, and they have August 2018, your drink horoscope. So uh, word on the street is that, Jonah, you are a Pisces. Is that correct? That's so true. what's his drink? Your drink, I don't know how to pronounce. It is a Sounds Schwartz like my beer. <laughs> Sounds like a Jewish beer. A Schwartz. A oh. Schwartz beer. Opposite rule. Uh, opposites rule your sign this month. Paradoxical Pisces. Relationships with loved ones can blossom, but it may come at the expense of career ambitions. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to choose between work and play. Embrace duality by shaking things up in unexpected ways. Nice term. You'll have best results around the partial solar eclipse on the 11th. So that's a great time to try a delightfully surprising 
Schwarzbier. Its dark color disguises its light crispness, which is exactly the type of inspiration you should go for in the month of August. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, where can the I find a Schwarzbier? Yeah, 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 yeah. On the 11th or 12th. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. Maybe well, you can bring it in through your... Look in your Schwartz. Yeah. No, wait. Uh, is it, who, did you give credit to who this is? It's from a, a website called Vine Pear. Oh, okay. Yes, of course. Wait, so Pisces are the fish. Very emotional. Like, you might find yourself weeping a lot. One might <laughs> you, say... You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so happy almost birthday in September. Patrick, am I correct that you are a uh, Aquarius? Aquarius? Yep. You, so August is smoldering, and so are you. Oh. Your career planet Pluto. I do run hot. <laughs> it's warm today. But yeah. Your career planet Pluto is moving ahead, and with it comes a whirlwind of professional opportunities. Pluto is not a planet anymore. Mm. Oh, yes, sadly. Vine pair must have missed it. <laughs> Don't hesitate to take things to the next level. A moment of indecision could cost you dearly. If you need a little liquid courage when it's crunch time, it's advisable to go all in. A smooth smoked scotch is the drink of debonairs and dukes, the perfect confidence booster when you'll need it most. Uh, I get Schwarzbier and he has a scotch? Yes, smoked scotch. scotch. <laughs> he oftentimes smells like old leather and scotch. It's mostly as morning du- fume. Well, he wears that Reggie using... Jackson Yankee shirt most days, so. <laughs> it comes from not using deodorant. Patrick, this is your song. So this is a great song. Hair was my favorite musical of all time, along with Moana <laughs> and Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> all right. Libby and I are both Libras. Libras. Thank Art. God, because this segment's running long. No, just kidding. And I don't have music for Libra, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, August is hot, 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 and you run the risk of burning up, fiery Libra. It's time to channel some of that emotion toward creative endeavors. Find cues in the cosmos for what you should attempt and what you should avoid. Wherever you find yourself, once Mercury is at greatest western elongation on the 26th, it promises to be the best time to gaze at the red planet as it shines brightly in the sky at sunrise. Toast to its radiance with a fitting tequila sunrise. Its orange hue may serve to alight new possibilities. When's the last time you saw a tequila sunrise, honestly? Do Does that one, still do you exist? Have one here yeah. at the tiki bar? Yeah, of, co- of course not. At Wordhouse, we're doing a riff on the tequila sunrise right now with the Paloma mix. It's excellent. It's on, a, on our classic cocktail section. All right, I'll be there tonight. There we go. Tequila See? Sunrise. When I, mean, I don't you have should a... tell your wait staff to really, you know, this target that towards Libras. <laughs> be like, any Libras here, you need this. When I don't have a sex the on the beach, or... I have a tequila sunrise. <laughs> yeah. Your A-frame outside of Huertas should have should promote that to Libras. All right, and last but not least, the Virgo in the room, Brandon Hoy. Planetary obstacles are finally clearing themselves from your path. Thank God. Oh, you persistent Virgo. <laughs> Setting you up for a major movement this month. From work and family to health and wealth, you're on the cusp of a fortuitous shift that can help shape the final months this year in your favor. That means it's time to party. Send the summer out with a bang, and don't skimp on the champagne. <laughs> So yours is a blanc de blanc shampoo. Oh, nice! Curing, curing this uh, nagging back pain. I'm, I'm assuming, they, they included my health. So I'm hoping. Yeah, no, things are clearing up for you. Clearing up for me. You're feeling more regular. What's not David? really, not really. David Still is backed also, up. I'm also a Virgo. Virgo. Blanc de blanc champagne, my friend. Hey, popping pop butts. Now, uh, what happened? Didn't Jay-Z get into a tiff with the champagne company because they were they said something I thought racist? you were going to say with Beyonce. No. I'm going to the concert tonight. I'll have a word with him. Are you? Yeah. Wow, where? MSG? MetLife. Oh, my God. Good luck. Yeah, Better leave my now. My roommate's coming tomorrow. <laughs> all right. Well, very, very cool. How fun. All right. So Whiskey. moving from that, I love that. Now we all know what to drink. This is, thank you, Emily. Oh, you're most welcome. And so now, so Whole Foods recently purchased... Um, was purchased by Amazon. We all know that. Nyman Ranch recently was purchased by Purdue. What do you think? Can a good company keep its soul when it gets bought out? Anne actually told me that uh, you know a ton of cheese companies are being bought out by big companies, too. That's just happening like everywhere in Wisconsin. There's very few little guys left. It's funny. I would say my answer to this um, is that the company Purdue might not change Nyman, but the fact that Nyman sold is probably the sign that things are changing there. Purdue might be like, try to keep everything so it's not so much of a headache for us. But if you're selling your company either because you're old or it's not making enough money, that's the sign that something is slipping. So I wouldn't necessarily accuse Purdue. I want nothing to do with them, but I wouldn't say you're going to ruin this company or Bezos, you're going to... But by selling out, Whole Foods probably gave something up. What about when chefs work with like larger restaurateurs or, or groups? 
I don't know. Like, I feel like less so in the New York market, but in Chicago, there's like people who are, I don't know, Stephanie Izzard, all these people who join groups. Are they less, do they have less of their own soul? Well, I guess I'm looking at I, you. I suppose as the, uh, the person who runs a, a soul restaurant, uh, <laughs> I should say that they have sold out. But uh, I under, it's, it's a difficult trade. And if you have the support system of a restaurant, I mean, you just do not have to worry about uh, onboarding and HR and social media. It's a, it's a, it can be tempting. I understand it. I mean, you can focus on cooking, which is what you know, ultimately you might want to do. Um, so it's hard to be a, a chef owner. I mean... You know, I think Brandon could speak to that too. When you're independent and everything is just within your own, within your own doors, there isn't the like corporate management. But I don't know. I don't think that's a good thing either. But I, but I outsource as well. You know, I, I agree. I think there's some of these lofty things like like HR and 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 accounting and certain and so, social media and certain things that like maybe somebody else can do better. And I think sometimes you know a little bit of support could actually add soul if if it's helping you focus on the things that are most important to your restaurant and to you which are you know the food or the service or, or, or whatever it may be it may be a helpful tool for you to to actually you know interject more soul into what you do i don't know i, th- mm-hmm. I think it's a good it's a great question it's a great topic I, i'm sure i'm sure this is one of those things that could really kind of go either way depending on how you're using it yeah mm-hmm. i mean i, I was uh, in la recently i went to um kismet and sarah and sarah uh, had there were the chefs at Glassery, which was you know a small independent restaurant in, in Greenpoint, and I was a little on the fence about going to Kismet. I'd been to Glassery, I'd had some of their food before, and I liked it, but I thought I should try something new. At any rate, Kismet was I thought head and heels better than Glassery. It was just a better experience. The food was even better, and maybe because they're part of a restaurant group there and they have the, the support around them, they can really focus on you know running that one restaurant and not everything around it. It was a really terrific meal. Yeah, you could get bogged down in kind of the back office stuff. It could really, as a restaurateur or operator, if you're a chef operator, you have a lot of things on your plate. You you could start getting bogged down in, in things that <clears throat> are that don't necessarily translate to to the customer experience, and that that could that could actually you know negatively affect what the what the customer sees because your your head is in a different space and you're you're spending more time trying to like you, like you said onboard people or you know make make sure that make sure that you're like following the 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 many many rules that there there are out there to to running to running a restaurant it, it could be difficult. Yeah. No, that's, there's definitely a lot of sides to so it. So are you going to stop supporting Diamond Ranch now that they are bought by Purdue, Libby? <laughs> I only support Heritage. You know that. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so you're all in food. And we were just talking about some publications that um, closed this morning. Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue is Very out. sad. Bride. Brian, hmm. you should have gotten married earlier, Libby, because now you're gonna have to do it without any. Good magazine. thing I collected. Oh. Good thing I, I saved all of my my past <laughs> issues uh, issues of bride. Oh, good, good. Please share them with me. All of your past I, brides. I <laughs> not that past I'm brides. Engaged, right? <laughs> I did not collect my past brides. Sorry. All right. Question. Uh, I know you know the answer. What Ruth Reichel editor magazine closed by Condé Nast about ten years ago? Gourmet magazine. Them a chance to answer. Well, no, I saw Jonah look- knew it. Everyone, that's right, an easy question. But yeah, so wow, three magazines closed. What was the third and one? they're moving out of uh, the world. They're moving out of the World Trade Center. They can't afford their rent. With yeah, that move? I think certain floors of the World Trade Center. Certain floors. Well, the New Yorker is moving, and I forget they have one other big magazine that was in that article. But yeah, so well, oh, uh, Anna Wintour, she's safe. Vogue. She's safe. She's of safe. course, of course. Have no fear. There's budget for her. You know, black sunglasses, car and driver. She's done pretty well, man. Anna Winter. They made a movie about her, played by Meryl Streep. But what food publications do you read? What sources do you trust? Brandon, you don't read H-R-M. any food publications. I don't. Oft, I often do not read food publications. Do you read? I, I mean, you read uh, I, sports, I, I, right? Well, no, I, I actually can't read. I'm uh, <laughs> You're illiterate. You're overcoming a lot. <laughs> The sports section yeah. is very meditative. Yeah. I actually listen to uh, sports on an audio tape. Okay. Usually I get all of my sports weeks later. <laughs> You're like, Reggie Jackson <laughs> retired? It's difficult. You're like, Patrick, congratulations. Yeah. Andy Pettit just pitched a two-hitter. <laughs> uh, I well, just sometime- heard some subliminal messaging. Did anyone else hear that? I think I have HRN, like that oh. Heritage Radio Network. There must have been something coming through my head. Oh, is that what it is? That's where I get all of my news. Well, anyway, the New York Times food section, I mean, I have great respect for these people. I mean, that section is a 
is ridiculous. I mean, they don't have a serious article in there almost ever. Marion Burroughs used to write serious articles. Kim Severson occasionally writes serious articles. If you were to mention the top 10 issues of our time, top 10 issues in the world in our time as it relates to food, none of those 10 are ever covered by them. Global warming, famine, uh, uh, drought, um, you know, seed prices, commodity pracing, animal abuse, humane, it's just not covered. And I know what they say, we're not, that's not us, that's for the business section, and times have changed. We need a new generation of people, also bon appetit, uh, food and wine. I mean, I respect these people, they're much smarter than me, they, they know more people than me and all that, but I just, I want to kind of go and read some serious topics I've, in uh, those food sections. I find, have found myself at the beach a few times lately, which is not my favorite place, uh, and I have to pack a tent for my kid and a lot of <laughs> other stuff, so I don't pack publications, but I, you know, look online. For, anyway, one that I recommend, and okay. it's good for beach reads, is uh, Roads and Kingdoms. Oh. Uh, they have some good... What stuff. is that? It uh, is a food travel... Um, so a lot of food pieces about you know places around the world. Uh, I was just looking at uh, how to have like a twenty-hour Basque brunch, which uh, was right up my alley. Oh, um, wow. The lead editor Matt Golding is a writer. He wrote um, for Spanish food. I think it's called Olive Pig, Pig Olive Grape, and then recently released uh, the Italian version Pasta Pane Vino. They're really good books. And, okay, uh, they were on. Uh, Anthony Bourdain was mm. label. I think Civil Eats. Um, <clears throat> Lisa Held, a journalist, and our friend was here, and they have host of the Farm Report now. Yes, yes. So she's doing great things, and they have great articles up more up the alley of what you were talking about. But always, why don't you like the beach? Is it and the sand? I'm always interested. It's very hot. The sand. <laughs> the uh, sand. People hate the sand. Boring. Another new reason to dislike the beach is all the sharks around here oh, recently. No. Um, uh, yeah, it so was also just Shark Week. That's true. Mm. That's true. Doesn't help. In defense of the times, though, I mean, I, I loved Frank Bruni. Did you? Did you I love Frank Bruni. I, there was an era where it was you know, fun. It was. It I love Florence Faber again. I, I, I mean, that's I do news. As well. I do and as also, well. who gave you your seven star review? Yeah. Was that guy Sam Sifton? Was it? Sam Sifton. He literally gave them a seven star review. It was unprecedented. He said it was the best three star restaurant, the best two star restaurant. Peter Peter Meehan. I mean, there yeah. it's you know, in defense of it, it's had it's had its moments. But but I hear you. Can I, you I think I think at a certain point you don't want to you don't want to politicize everything. No. Like sometimes sometimes like sports, you just want sports, and like food, sometimes. You just want food. You don't. No, but it doesn't need to be political. Now. That's food now. You know, and I think well, that's sports be. now too. But also, like, 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 you, there has to be some differential. There has to be publications that are based in the politics of food, and there has to be publications that are based in the enjoyment of food. I don't know. Also, in defense of the times, it used to be called dining in, dining out. Yeah. I don't think it was this. We're going to tackle the whole world of food and every all the politics that come with it. Correct me if I'm. Maybe the yeah. where were those articles that you loved published in no. the food section, or were they business? Were they science? Oh, I love Marion Burns. I just say occasionally they they need to say like we give a column to Marion Nestle or we give a column to Wendell Berry or or just something so that you deep can dives also... like that are for HRN. Deep dives, yeah, that's HRN. That's, well, what, I that's love what we're HRN. here for. Well, that's <laughs> you, why you we that started place. this station was because we felt a lot of those um, topics were getting short shift in the in the media, or they would say we covered that issue twelve years ago. And you're yeah. like, well, it's time to revisit it. I just think food is changing. What about food deserts? Can't that be an article once every six months? You know, and I don't know that it is in that station. I think they need a refresher for who works there. And I don't just say the Times because, I mean, it's the most important publication of all time. But I don't know. I don't know. All it's right. also this moment where, you know, the food news that is on everybody's forefront of their mind is what restaurants are opening? What's closing? What are the new trends? What's going on in fast food? You know, new what's, trends. I, but I'm just saying that tends to be, correct me not, if I'm wrong, Grub Street, Eater, that's what they're covering. I mean, there's constantly new articles posted every 10 minutes, but none of them are about substance, as you're saying. We did. We've covered about 400 stories on this show, even though we've only done 10 episodes. None came from the Times. They all come from other sources. And that's just interesting that here we are looking to the Times food section to give us something. Speaking, of, speaking of new trends, have you guys heard of um, Fusion? Oh, really? Yes. What is happening that? They're, just... they're, taking, they're taking like Asian cuisine oh. and mixing it with, you know, kind of modern American stuff. This is... Anomaly. David, don't say you don't learn stuff on this station. We have, a, we have Succotash on our menu news. right now, and I warned our staff not to use the word medley. 
And then we're trying to find other words that are just words you shouldn't ever use at the table because they've lost all. So fusion was the next example of a word. <laughs> Never want to hear anyone talk about fusion here. Okay. We need to um, go to a quick break. But after we talk to Jonah Miller about and get his insight into the world of Spanish cuisine, his newly published book, and we can find out if anyone here can actually pronounce his restaurant name correctly. Is that the Maillard question? <laughs> no, take it away, David. If I come into a party hitting reps like this, all you superficial rappers will cease to exist. If I come into a party hitting reps like this, all you superficial rappers will cease to exist. If I come into a party hitting reps like this, all you superficial rappers will cease to exist. If I come into a party hitting reps like this, all you This episode is presented by Irving Bottle, an approachable and affordable wine and liquor shop in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Irving Bottle focuses on natural wines and high-quality spirits that are delicious, unconventional, and a good value. Ask about their weekly Wednesday tastings, 10% case discounts, in-store pickup, and free local delivery. Visit them online at irvingbottle.com. This episode is also presented by The Brooklyn Kitchen, a recreational cooking school on a mission to change the world by teaching people how to cook like grown-ups. With two locations in Williamsburg and Sunset Park's Industry City, the Brooklyn Kitchen hosts a range of public and private cooking classes, corporate team parties, pop-up dinners, tasting events, and local rentals for film and video shoots. Learn more at thebrooklynkitchen.com. So we are here live on the Heritage Radio Network in Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and you're listening to the Main Course OG. So we are going into the Mylard reaction, our favorite part of the show where I make up the question. (laughs) All right. So we went down south uh, for our farm tour and dove into the world of barbecue and biscuits. What is your favorite Southern food? (gasps) I gained about 10 pounds from this trip, but... Doesn't show. So good. I'm a bit. So I love biscuits. Me I really too. do. Biscuit, even biscuits and gravy. Are you kidding me? I'm a sucker for that stuff. Gravy in general. Fried chicken. Yeah. Collard the Fried greens. chicken counts. I've already fried, fried know, drawn is. my flag with uh, Popeyes. I'm confused why biscuits didn't make it up north. They're so good. I'm like, we could eat this every day, but they don't have enough like inside. For I guess they do have inside. There's something about the biscuit that I don't like. They're they're not absorbent. I don't. You really have to know like it build is. it yourself. You have to put your own stuff yeah. on. One morning we had bacon and tomatoes on biscuits. Is bacon the southern food? Mm, I think bacon's everywhere. It's so global. then I say I say collard greens then. With the bacon on it. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah, it yeah, has to have the, the beans <laughs> or the bacon in it. And uh, cream of corn, mac and cheese. I don't know. Are those southern? The sweet cream corn. Yes. That was very good. Grits. Yeah, grits are good. Meh. Grits are okay. Do you remember my cousin Vinny? Best grit scene of all time. So you're saying that your grit cooks faster in your kitchen than anywhere else in the world. Anyway. Strong scene. Well, that was a great Maillard question. Thank you. I now feel I'm like you a, didn't love it. Now I'm on a vegetable-only diet this week. Yeah, we're are detoxing. Except no. when you went to no, Sambar except when and I went had to like Sambar. an eight-course meal. <laughs> exactly. Well, Max from Sambar came on the trip with us and was so endeared by David Newman that he invited David, who was in town again, to a big extravagant dinner, which I couldn't make because it was Josie's birthday. Anyway, let's move on to There was no things. lack of meat, I will tell you that. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great time. Okay, so Jonah Miller is a chef and owner of Hurt Us which focuses on Spanish cuisine in the East Village. We are big fans and happy to have him here. So what's the biggest thing people don't know about Spanish cuisine? Uh, well, I think something that we struggle with is making sure people identify what we're cooking as Spanish. And Spanish cuisine is a lot like Italian cuisine or French cuisine. And um, So I think the biggest thing they don't know is, you know, it's not necessarily unfamiliar. That uh, it doesn't have to be, you know... One, one issue with Spanish cuisine is it's very finite dishes that people recognize. So things like mm-hmm. tortilla and, and uh, paella, of course, and sangria. So they don't know that there's just a, a whole lot more than that. It's if, you know, Italian cuisine, you only thought there was, you know, carbonara and the matriciana and nothing after that. Um, so there's so much that they don't know. I think, you know, the wine, the beverage culture of Spain is, is certainly something that we really embrace and people don't know that much about. Um, Nate, who's my partner at Wear Dust and the co-author of the book, we have a whole section of beverages 
And uh, I like to brag that I really think we're the only restaurant in the world where on tap you can get not just beer, but also we have sherry on tap, we have cider on tap, we have vermouth on tap that we make in the basement, and also gin and tonic on tap. So there's a whole lot of, um, you know, interesting things to drink besides sangria, which really serious people don't drink sangria. Oh, I see you're expanding the horizons with this. So Basque, is that, uh, do, you, do you venture there? So our, the restaurant is, we identify as Basque, which to be honest is partially marketing um, because people sort of know that the, the Basque country is famous for great food, although um, we, we do focus on the bar. We have pinchos, which are a, a Basque form of tapas. Um, the Basques are very mysterious. If you want a serious... And they do not want to be considered Spanish. They don't want to be considered Spanish. Uh and uh, and the Basque country skirts the the border over to France as well, but um, they're they're culturally very strange. Like even their blood type is uh, is a bit unusual, um, and the language is very. It's not part of the Indo-European language chain. So they're sort of like a mythical people, and they they care deeply about the things that we like: sports and food. Um, and uh, uh, so we look at all of the north of Spain. But the north is closer to the rest of Europe. It's also the climate, the geography is closer to what we have in New England. Um, so it makes a lot more sense for us to be identifying with the north of Spain. I mean, the name of the restaurant, and I'll just say it myself, Huertas. Um, I never realized it was such a hard thing to pronounce. Uh, this Libby, damn H. Uh, Libby was struggling. It comes from... Is H a vowel or something? We were all struggling. I'm just, okay, no, I'm well, Libby, uh, you were identified as the person who was terrified to say the name of the restaurant going into the recording. Yes. But uh, it means orchard. Uh, and I lived on a street in Madrid called Calle de la Huertas, and it's an old street like most streets in Madrid. It's so old that the building next to where I lived when I was there is where Cervantes lived when he wrote Don Quixote. Uh, but it, it means orchard, and in the north of Spain, you're known to have Huertas, so small sort of farms and orchards, kind of like the equivalent of the back 40 here, where it's not the Midwestern style of like giant agriculture, the same way you'd see in the south of Spain. It's little plots like you have in New England. Um, and and cider, apples, orchards are one of the main ties between New York and the north of Spain. So when you travel to Spain, do you specifically go to the north? Like, what would be your ideal trip to Spain if you had a week or ten days? So when I when I uh, lived in Spain, I was living in Madrid, and actually I traveled around a lot, as you do when you're, you're living in Europe, and it's so easy to get around. Um, but I didn't go to the Basque country, because I sort of knew that that was the place that I would enjoy the most. And if I didn't go while I was studying abroad, I would have to go back, uh, which I did before we opened the restaurant. So I... I if I were there for 10 days, um, I would do something sort of sacrilegious and skip Barcelona. Barcelona is obviously great food, beautiful on the beach, architecture is amazing, but uh, it's also to me like a little bit less Spanish. Uh, there's so many people from all over the world there. You Interesting. Don't to... Skip Barcelona. That's a big statement. That's cool. And what would you be um, drinking? What would you be drinking on this? Well, so I'd go like to Madrid. Cidra would, would be the. I would go to Madrid and drink some vermouth. Um, and then I would probably just straight vermouth, straight vermouth, killing it, mixing um, sour with bitter. Or, I mean, the sour and sweet. Uh, well, so sweet. they have a, a vermouth culture, which is um, it's not uh, like um, too. It's a sweet style of vermouth, but it's not uh, overbearingly sweet. And you see it on tap. And we do that at the restaurant. I I recently, you know, we were talking about as a restaurateur, you have to do everything. Um, I recently took over the chalkboard outside of the restaurant. Our, our resident chalkboard artist left, and so it was me. And I, I worked on my boss font. I have a font. There's a boss font. Uh, so I did a boss font, and it says, we make vermouth in the basement. And our vermouth sales have just got... Actually, I don't know if they've changed at all, but um, I think people <laughs> like the sign. And uh, we make vermouth, and it's on tap. And that's the thing that you see in Madrid. It's um, an old-school thing. The first time I was in Madrid, I was sort of terrified by this vermouth del grifo. I never got it, but it, uh, it's, it's really tasty. Super refreshing. It's kind of what... You know, the answer to sangria is vermouth on the rocks with an olive and orange. Is it strong? Like, do you get drunk really fast? Uh, no. Was uh, it which is 10%, 8%? It's uh, more than that. I mean, it's it's fortified wine that they're usually starting with or they're adding brandy. So it's something like 11, 12, 13. But um, that's a good, maybe a little more. It's a good thing to drink and get a little And blood. you failed us by not bringing some. Oh, uh, that's true. I didn't stop at the, I live in Brooklyn, so I didn't stop at the restaurant um, on my way. I usually, wow. It's a good gift that I often bring. Wow. Next time I come to Roberto's, I'll bring uh, some. I will, I will some be here food. waiting. Um, but that, that is also just speaks to the culture of drinking in Spain, which is that you drink all day. So you have to find things that are like that happy medium where, okay. um, you know, they're not beer and they're so heavy that they're going to fill you up, but they're also. Subtherapeutic. Just like yeah. low doses throughout uh -huh. the day. ABV, the Spanish were the, you know, the... Uh, so tell us a little bit about your book, The New Spanish. You said it obviously talks about beverages and food. In Nuevo Español. It, uh, 
So it hit some of the, you know, the sections of the, the menu at Huertas that are things that you don't see in every Spanish restaurant in every town. So pinchos and also conservas. Conservas are something that um, are, are, you know, you see, again, this sort of thing in, in other parts of Europe where there's serious fish in cans. Um, but that's uh, something that Americans are just trying to understand, that something in a can is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, we were talking about the New York Times section and food section. It's still, you know, it's still the food section that matters the most. And when we were reviewed by the New York Times, it made a big difference in a way that nothing else did. But it always sticks with me. It was a great review. But um, one of our servers, who was not my favorite server, to be quite honest, was serving Pete Wells. And she said to him within earshot of me, because um, it's an open kitchen, uh, about our conservative section, in Spain, all the best seafood goes in the tins. Can we, can we curse on this or no? Yes. So fuck I like, shit. Where I was like, what the fuck does that mean? All the best seafood goes in tins. That's the most ridiculous thing you could say. But they have so much good seafood that uh, a lot of it ends up going in tins. But Pete Wells, of course, published that line in his uh, article. But he liked it. So water under the bridge. But there's so much great seafood that they have this culture of tin seafood. And you'll go to a bar in Spain. They literally just hand you a can of toothpicks. And sometimes they'll also charge you 15 euro for that can because it's, you know, 40 amazing little cockles that have been squeezed into there elegantly. So there's a section on how to make your own conservas and also how to use tins um, in a, you know, kind of simple way. It's great for entertaining. Pinchos are a perfect way to throw a dinner party because you do all the work ahead of time. The same way they do in Spain. The, when you walk into a bar, it's just lined with pinchos and the bartender is now partying with you. I mean, they, they're able to pour drinks because they're not mixing elaborate cocktails, serve the pinchos, keep track of what you've had, talk about your day. So they're an entertainer in a way that's pretty, uh, and host, like unusual in the U.S. Um, and that's why we wanted to have a Spanish restaurant in the first place. It's just the experience of dining in Spain is so damn fun. I mean, there's, there's so little pretense to it. You don't even need to look at the menu half the time. You just point to what you want to have. Your bars always fall right the second it opens. Uh, sometimes I'll be making the delivery and I'll see right at 515, something like that. It, it's packed. Well, they also have we're great at, deals at the bar. They have, have a great, great happy hour. 515, we're still at uh, our lineup, um, our right, staff meeting at the bar. Right, so the bar is always full of 515 because we're having our meeting. Oh, oh so, so it's every when you pay. 530, we, uh, we, there's often a couple seats left. I don't want people to think they can't come in. Um, but uh, the bar does fill. We didn't have a liquor license for our first year. We had oh, wine and wow. beer, okay. um, which in Spain, you know, wine and beer is, we also have to have sherry and cider and vermouth. So we had a great beverage program, but it also forced us to be creative. And I mean, I, it was very frustrating. I, I don't but, remember those days, but does that, does that include fortified wines? Because that would, that would really, uh, you know. Yeah, that was. Like, a, little, like all of those fortified wines would it, fall into the beer and wine. Right. We did include license. fortified. I think when we added fortified wines, we weren't entirely sure, but thought like, yeah, let's give it a try. And uh, I do I, think, I think anything under, well. there's like a, there is, you know, a rule obviously about this. And I think it might be something under 20%. Uh, right. Um, but uh, yeah, it was difficult without a liquor license. We're happy to have one. So listen, uh, can I get some rapid fire music, please, David, if you don't mind? Okay. You have an under two minutes. I'm going to ask you four rapid fire questions. Ready. What do you do when hiring a cook? What do uh, you look for? I, I look for plastic wrap that's fucked up. Uh, if you have a big plastic wrap rolls in restaurants, you know that sometimes they get sort of snagged. And I'll hand that one to the trail to have them wrap something. And if they, before they start wrapping it, realize that it's messed up and take the time to fix it, which can be very difficult, I can't teach that. Would you, you take my uh, resume away? I, I, I cannot work for you. I never do that. I, I wrap something with a little like dental yeah, floss. I hate so. that. I can't teach you how to be a good person. I can teach you how to cook. What's your favorite pincho? Uh, if I had to eat one every day, and I do, it's the Gilda or Hilda. It's uh, named after the Rita Hayworth film in the 1940s. It's anchovy, white anchovy, sometimes black, uh, olive and pickle, and it's it's like an oyster. It hits the sides of your tongue, gets your appetite going. How did you start cooking in restaurants? Uh, my closest friend uh, growing up is still a dear friend who's in restaurants. Uh, for his bar mitzvah, I got a gift card to eat at Chanterelle. Hmm. So the two of us, the two 13-year-old boys, sat down for dinner at one of the most uh, elegant restaurants in the country at the time, and they... Uh, we're not dismayed, but they invited us back to the kitchen, and one thing led to another, and we worked there the following summers. Did you start as a dishwasher, or you started as a line cook? No, I'd like to say, I wish I could say that I started as a dishwasher. I didn't start as a line cook either. I started as a prep cook, and they were actually renowned for great family meals. His first cookbook was a recipes from family meals, so I'd often help with that, um, and, uh, you know, cleaning squid and such. It was a memorable summer because I broke my arm playing basketball, so I had a cast, and I was cleaning squid for three oh, weeks God. with a cast on my arm, and the doctor, when he saw the thing off, was horrified. Oh god! I'm it's one thing when you when you're able to dunk, you get injuries like that. <laughs> right, right. Who's your favorite Yankee? 
Uh, well, we're both wearing Yankee shirts, and uh, I'm wearing Rivera. Rivera is my favorite. I, you know, of course, when you went to a Yankee game in the 90s and 2000s, you wanted them to win, but you only wanted them to win by one or two I know. or three Mariano. runs so you could see Rivera. He uh, messed up only a couple times historically, but that's the thing, the reliever. It's so stressful. I think he was the best of all time, although Brandon probably has some Dodger who he thinks is the best. All right. Well, thank you so much. That was a great show. We're sorry that I, uh, you know, said the name of the restaurant so Poorly, we Say don't know. Say one last time, you can Hortus. do it. Gorgeous. Better, okay. better. Uh, but I love your, when your it... H is still a little breathy. Where, uh, where test? Did yeah, I do it? Where test? Uh-huh, yeah. where test? But I love what it means, Orchard. That's very nice. Your book is beautiful. Thank you so much for being on here. Thanks for dedicating yeah. it to Heritage. Now we can take it back to our office. This is a beautiful book. Everyone should buy it. Who published it? Uh, it's published by Kyle Books, who, okay. uh, while we were working with them, was bought by Octopus Publishing, a oh. British imprint. Apropos. Okay. The title mm, of the delicious. book is The New Spanish Bites, Feasts, and Drinks by Jonah Miller and Nate Adler. Yes. Uh, so thank you for listening, and stay tuned for Tech Bites at 11 a.m. Thank you. All right. Good show. <laughs> You heard the noise they make, but let me reintroduce my new Rocket 88. Yes, it's Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.